Hello and welcome. I am Piers Ridiard, CEO of RDX Works, a core developer of the decentralized finance protocol Radix, a public ledger entirely focused on bringing DeFi into the mainstream. This is our podcast, The DeFi Download, a show about decentralized finance and all things crypto, where we dive into the details of the projects, assets and services that are powering the DeFi revolution. Today, I have Ben and Amir, CTO and blossoming scripto developer at MLabs. MLabs is a Haskell, Rust, and blockchain AI consultancy. Ben, Amir, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. So, let's... Uh, Haskell, Rust, blockchain, and AI consultancy. There's a, there's, a, there's a few things to unpack in there. It'd be great, Ben, to yeah. sort of understand how, how you guys came to be so many of sure. the uh, of the interesting things that are going on in the space all at the same time I'm, yeah uh, m labs is always interested in uh slowly consuming the world so uh we do kind of uh pick the the most interesting areas that we can grow into um m labs started off uh from fairly humble beginnings in uh, really 2020 uh late uh, 2019, we uh, were a fairly small, like six-person consultancy working uh, largely for fintech uh, companies out in the world. Uh, one of the key contracts we were working with was JustPay at the time, which is a, a payment processor out of India, um, and infamously one of the, the biggest companies that use uh, Haskell in the traditional space. So um, kind of growing out of that, there's sort of naturally within the Haskell community, there's always a certain amount of overlap with Rust. Uh, I think they, the two languages do have sort of a lot of natural guiding principles in common. And um, we kind of had a right place, right time moment. I had some previous experience in blockchain, and we were actually presented with an opportunity to work on Liquid, which was um, is Cardano's uh, response to something like Compound. It's a lending mm. market. So... Um, as we took that uh, particular project on, which uh, launched earlier this year, by the way, um, we sort of wound up doing a deep dive uh, into building on Cardano and, and building uh, building Plutus smart contracts specifically. And we've mm. sort of grown out from that. Also building developer tools, performing audits, uh, but we, we sort of specialized in Cardano DeFi in particular. Uh, we worked across all verticals, but we have either built or audited a pretty substantial percentage of the various protocols that make up Cardano's uh, total value locked. Um, now coming out of that, we also expanded into Polkadot, Solana, um, and uh, a number of other ecosystems. Radix is sort of one of the more recent ones we've adopted. Um, could you talk a little bit just so that people understand? I think, you know, um, Rust is relative, relatively well known to to people, but sort of Plutus and, and Haskell are a little less so apart from within the Cardano community itself. So, yeah. like, just talk a little bit about um, Haskell and Plutus and and your experiences of, of, of like getting your team up to speed with that 
um, and how that was as an experience. Sure. Uh, so Haskell is uh, certainly not a top 10 uh, programming language. It's been around since the late 1980s. Um, perhaps as an explanation for why it has this natural motto, avoid success at all costs. Uh, but you might be uh, not... You wouldn't be entirely mistaken if, if you mistook Haskell at times for maybe like a really cool math exploration project right. rather than necessarily a, a programming language per se. Right. Uh, there's some really brilliant libraries, but Haskell is a functional, pure functional programming language, which means like there's always caveats to this, but the general way to work within the language is you never perform an impure action. You return... Uh, a context that will execute this impure action in the future. Um, it, it tends to have a lot of um, fairly mathematically driven structures in in how you operate with Haskell. Um, however, between the nature of functional programming itself, where rather than hand coding structures over and over again, like loops, uh, you have sort of pre-built structures that uh, allow you to compose bits of functionality together. Between that and the type system of Haskell, you do get a system that is wonderfully resilient against bugs. It's it's It can be used to create systems that are very, very bug resistant. Right. Uh, the natural boundaries there are at the seams. So things like, uh, for those listeners who are maybe more technical, like parsing a JSON body out of a request, that tends to be where all the errors happen. Once something's brought in, any impossible states are made sort of in unrepresentable within the type system if you want. Um, so it does offer a lot of power in terms of long-term maintainability, and this is where it sees adoption in fintech at places like JustPay and Standard Chartered and Mercury Bank, as well as in the aerospace industry where uh, you don't just lose money, but maybe kill someone if you've written right. incorrect code. Right. So good, um, for, good for very... Uh, like high criticality systems where you want to have incredible, incredibly robust guarantees around it, you know, sort of behavior. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that can come at the cost of speed, but it's actually also a, a fairly performant language. It's still many times faster than more popular languages like Python or JavaScript. Sure. Um, so, uh, this was adopted by Cardano as the language in which they would implement their node and the uh, first language where they would go ahead and implement the smart contract language, Plutus. Uh, mm. So uh, Plutus itself, you could say, is sort of a subset of Haskell. It doesn't have the full robustness of Haskell, but it does allow you to uh, take advantage of some of that type system. Uh, so that... Uh, Plutus itself launched in September of 2021, and uh, we were working on things sort of well ahead of that launch date. Just like right, right now, we're working with Radix well ahead of the smart contract launch date Right uh, at this point. Uh, although I'd say we're almost a little bit late to the party in that respect at this point. Well, I mean, we launched the programming language in in alpha a long time before integrating it with the network, which I, I don't think was quite the same um, path that, that uh, Cardano took, right? It was a much shorter time between release of the programming language and integration with, with Cardano's platform. 
I think that's true now that we're looking at uh, a September Babylon release. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um and and from the point of view of um Plutus, what are the what are the things that you found so far Plutus to be good for and what have you found to be more challenging when it comes to when it comes to building programming this sort of uh, applications so i think the biggest thing i can talk about with plutus and and something i'll broaden a little bit to be the entire cardano smart contract platform and, yeah. and we can expand on that a bit uh but one thing about it it, it is uh tremendously secure i mean people are still getting audits done let's not get crazy but yeah. Uh, I, I believe this is still the case that uh, funds lost on chain due to a co code exploitation uh, is something remarkably low, if, if any. Uh, right. uh, certainly under 10k USD, to my knowledge. Um, exploits are almost entirely unheard of. And uh, although it does uh, take some more time to develop these smart contracts, and in some cases, um, you may need to use an alternative language, which compiles down to the same uh, bytecode, essentially, that Plutus does. Uh, these are for efficiency gains so that you can get more logic onto your smart contract right. and uh, eventually deploy. So we, we actually built one of these languages. I'd say right now there's three or four significant competitors. Some of this is just for people who don't want to write Haskell. So there's a few options, you know, for a Rust or sort of Rust adjacent language. There's people. Uh, there's now options so that you can compose smart contracts from Python or, or TypeScript, and then uh, there are just optimized versions of the the Haskell uh, way of writing them. So that's right. one of the projects that we've built for developer tooling to allow sort of advanced DeFi projects that need to cram every bit of efficiency they can in. Um, so that they can actually ship right and and has has is it also because a lot of people when they they talk about haskell they talk about how secure it is um they also talk about how difficult it is to hire people uh and how difficult it is to to, to train people have you found that to be true as well or has that not been the case for you guys hmm. so on this point i mean i would say finding Haskell people is sort of a thing that we specialize in. Right. So you may be asking the wrong person there, okay. but uh, I, there's also a tremendous shift. You see this with Rust as well. Um, Rust and Haskell are languages that people like to write. There, there are, there is at least a subset of developers who are very right. enthusiastic about Haskell. And in some cases uh, will make a very significant, substantial career change just for the opportunity to write production Haskell. And I think yeah. some of that is actually about um, the, the correctness that these languages can bring and um, the result of that correctness is that it's more yeah. satisfying to write. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I sometimes see people like take almost a philosophical or principles based approach when when it when they are advocating for these kind of languages you, you see a similar thing in in the rust community as well where people love the language so much love building with it so much they're like i will change my career so that i can build in rust because i have fallen yeah. in love with rust and rust is all i want to use it becomes ideological certainly 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we don't find that there's necessarily a problem finding enthusiastic developers and talented yeah. ones. Uh, now, the other grain of salt is certainly we are a worldwide distributed consultancy. You may not always be able to find this person in your backyard. Right. If, you know, if you're looking for co-located or even in the same time zone, you, you may need to look a little broader. The other part is naturally there's uh, deep communities and the more involved in these communities that you become, the easier it is for you to recruit. So you guys, you guys started on the Haskell side, expanded out to Rust. Um, how, how did that come about? How did, I mean, it's, it seems like they're quite close sort of like from a, from an ideological point of view. Um, obviously the Rust community is bigger than the, the Haskell community. I'd say it's sort of less just a mathematical experiment and much more, a bit more like much more of a, a practical programming language as well. Um, but how did that sort of like, wh when did that opportunity come across and like, why did you guys decide to expand out to Rust? I mean, it actually came out quite early, and if I'm honest, it's because I, I made uh, like a joke tweet about being a Haskeller, and someone approached us thinking they needed Haskell, but they needed Rust. And <laughs> I think every Haskeller knows a few Rustations. Uh, we get along well enough. So we were able to bring some well-qualified people on, and, and from there we've uh, you know had various operations in both Haskell and Rust over the past yep. three years. Okay. Yeah. And, and so... Obviously, when you guys came across Scripto, um, that the the fact that Scripto is based on Rust, I'm assuming, made it relatively easy to uh, to to jump into. But before we talk about that, and we sort of ask Amir about his his experiences, um, could you just talk a little bit about how you discovered Radix and and what that journey yeah. has been so far? I mean, I, I think it's clear Radix has been running a bit of a promotional campaign over the last eight months or so so certainly we've seen tons of things on twitter uh, uh, my first real exposure to radix uh organizationally was at consensus 2023 so i i heard a little bit going in um certainly you guys had one of the biggest booths you had an, an evening event as well and what really impressed me was actually not just that you were present which is very important but also uh, there was a sort of a thoughtfulness that I really appreciated about the approach where it was really clear that there had been coordination with builders, that, uh, you know, there were people there answering questions both uh, on the trade show floor as well as uh, at this pub night. Uh, also, someone had managed to convince the bartender at the pub night to get a neck tattoo of the Aussie swap cat, uh, stick and poke style. Uh, so that was uh, uh, like an interesting testament uh, to at least, um, I don't know, enthusiasm. Uh, it was enough that I kind of walked away with uh, some interesting impressions, some, uh, you know, early introductions into the Radix community, and uh, enough enthusiasm around what developers were experiencing on the ground from what I had heard that uh you know we were willing to experiment further and and that essentially rolled into eventually us partnering with a uh, couple of businesses that we already knew were interested in accessing other markets yep. and 
seeing if they would consider an experiment in Radix with us together. And fortunately, so, we so, were able to find some. So clients that you're already working with who are already building in, in other communities like Cardano, um, then bringing across that functionality to the Radix network with, with your help. Um, and, and how much of... And and sort of how how long has the um, has the run up period been now? Like when did you when did you guys get started? Sort of actually building in earnest on Radix. So I'd say uh, activity really started over the course of uh, May and June, mm-hmm. where uh, we were starting to look at how we can, you know, implement proofs of concept or look at architecting out, you know, what a mainnet solution would look like for certain right. verticals. Um, I mean, we also chose verticals that we felt were fairly conservative as far as a starting place. Right. Just sort of naturally, you want to go with the stuff with the lowest novelty budget. I don't think necessarily that I would start off by immediately going to like, I don't know, something that might have technical blockers. Let's say ZK. Right. Like, I wouldn't necessarily start there in any ecosystem. Yeah. Part of that's because I have the luxury of uh, working as a consultancy, so we're able to depart like there's multiple projects to execute. It's not all yeah. or nothing on a single idea. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's been a way that we are, we're able to sort of warm up to the technology, get multiple team members trained up uh, and working in the space and, and build up broader expertise that we could use I think, I for think later there's projects. There's a lot to be said for um, critical pieces of infrastructure that are known to be critical have as you say low novelty value but are well executed i think i think often people under index on how important and successful that can be as a strategy yeah uh i mean something like the the scripto toolkit in particular i'll call out is something that like hey this is a ready to go solution where you can build a truly decentralized app that doesn't necessarily require a lot of back-end infrastructure that is specific to your app in order to start interacting with the Radix network. Uh, that's that's really critical that it's available on day one. And uh, in fact, we wound up building something similar uh, for Cardano specifically to to address uh, sort of a dearth within the ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so Amir, if you if you, you've you've now been sort of getting up to speed on on scripto having sort of built uh several haskell and plutus um applications before um i'd love to sort of hear a little bit about your experience in in diving into scripto and and how you've how you found that experience uh since getting involved yeah so i would say that um it's been it's been quite interesting. I'd say the the biggest difference for me has probably been when when I started learning Plutus. It took me quite a while to even familiarize myself with the concepts and sort of the design patterns and sort of how Plutus works. And then working myself down to a bit lower level on on the um, dealing with UTXOs and so on. For Scripto, it seems like those have been really abstracted. The the lower level fundamentals have sort of been abstracted away with these nice sort of mm-hmm. concepts that you know they're named really well and are really easy to grasp. So I'm not sure how much of that would be knowledge translating from my experience from Cardano coming into Scripto, how much that translated into this learning process. But I I feel like I could very easily read through the documentation that was available and 
very quickly understand and jump into some scripted community examples that are out there and really grasp mm-hmm. what these smart contracts are doing and sort of play around with my own toy examples. And what's been your sort of like um, your favorite your favorite thing about Scripto so far, and 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 um, the and and what you've what and also just a little bit about what you've built so far. If you if you can talk about that, I, I, I if if you can't, then don't worry. Yeah, so um, I've been mainly building some, I'd say, more example codes to sort of familiarize myself with Scripto itself. Um, I joined at a, I basically came into the community at a transition period between Scripto v09 into v010. So I was just yep. in that transition where there was these um, really nice changes to the authorization model and access roles. Um, so at that point it was just me, just, um, I was just getting familiarized with the previous models, but then I, uh, you know, we transitioned to the, to the V10. Um, so with regards to what I've been building, I've just been building simple examples. I've been playing around with, with some of the, um, existing blueprints out there with the, with pools and, and sort of accounts and so on and, and, and some other toy examples that exist. Uh, the vesting example has been really helpful and I tried to build some toy projects on top of that and also a very tiny governance, uh, governance, uh, contract. Yeah. I think it's okay to say like, we're, we're looking at building out DAO infrastructure really quickly. Mm -hmm. So, uh, sort of turnkey DAO management. Um, and, and so there's a few ways that we're looking at approaching that with our with our partner over the course of the next couple of months but we want to get some early proof of concepts that are going to see the most use from the communities that exist right uh because adoption is really key and it helps drive the next thing right uh if you can't get engagement um from the community that's there there you know you're not going to draw people in from other communities necessarily to use this thing yeah and i think another example of sort of low lower novelty but a critical tooling for for an ecosystem um there are many in innovations you can make in dow tooling i'm not saying that dow tooling isn't innovative can't, can't be innovative but it's one of those things that a lot of people don't go i'm going to go do build dow tooling but as soon as you try and build an application you're like oh i need dow tooling because i'm going to be building some form of governance into my DeFi application or that's actually exactly why we have a DAO tooling partner in the first place is we were building all these DeFi protocols and we just saw the waste of everybody needs to roll this from scratch. Right. And like really this needs to be a service that's available early, that's audited and can save everybody their own audit funds by just reducing that surface area. Yeah. Um, and then really, I'd say that's sort of universal. We're trying to build for these early ventures into Radix, we're trying to build tools primarily that are going to picked up, get picked up by other DAP developers yeah. as building blocks. Uh, and so you've been, Amir, you've been building these, the, the, this governance functionality. Um, as you've been building it, what are, what are the things that you've sort of realized around Scripto um, that you've sort of gone, huh, this is interesting, this is helpful. I'm glad that this exists. 
Um, I'd say probably the number one thing that's been really helpful has been the concept of transaction manifest. It's just made made my life so much easier to to compose different transactions and sort of you know make these calls and interactions without being within a very complicated language. It's been really easy to connect uh, components and sort of move stuff around and experiment. So I guess that's that's really been one of the uh, the features where I've been like, why well, this should this should exist for 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 every ecosystem out there. Um, and also, um, just generally the handling of assets seems to be very, very intuitive compared to um, what I've been used to. It's, it's very simple to reason about them and, and, and move them around, whether they are um, um, NFTs or, or just general assets. And how they can be used for authorization um, has been, yeah, I'd say probably those two are the standout features for me. Even yeah, just I like the presenting got- mechanism within within a transaction, like on other UTXO chains, this is a pattern that exists where you're gonna pr- put something into a transaction and take it back out, but you don't get the guarantees that come with this notion of presenting where it has to come back to you. You have to wire that in every time separately, right? Uh, yeah. We we talked we we when when this was being designed we talked about this as being guardrails essentially guardrails for the programmer guardrails for the user where you can where you can explicitly declare guarantees around what you expect to happen in a transaction uh, and you know you can also the other part of this is being able to expl- um, specify your intent rather than specify the, the mechanism by which something has to be achieved, right? And so intent-based transactions are now, you're, you're hearing people talking about this as a concept more also in Ethereum because you now have things like L2s and sequences and things and, and abstracted accounts where you can have some form of intent-based transactions. But in Radix, every intent transaction is intent-based transaction. Every in- transaction, you're it specifically... Uh, stating what you expect um, as an outcome rather than going rather than having to go down to the state level and say i want you to change this state for this state um which we've which i have i struggle to explain to anyone as to why that's helpful or important until you have actually tried to build something yourself where you don't have those tools and when you have people are like oh my god this is amazing but um, explaining that to someone who doesn't understand why these things are important or what the alternative is is, is often difficult. Have you? Um, yeah. So, so Amir, you're 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 currently building Scripto. Um, you've previously, and you you like the uh, the um, authorization model and the transaction model. Um, what are your? What's your net? What's what sort of like? next for you you just you're currently building the, the the test versions are you when when do you start to expect to be pushing out sort of production code and uh what uh can people expect um to when, when can people expect to start to be able to use this governance tooling um so i guess we were aiming for uh we were aiming to have um to to have this to to push it into production sometime maybe about a month after the Babylon release, but uh, of course much before that I'm going to be uh, running tests internal tests and so on 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 the RCnet v2 that's live uh, currently and and try to experiment and and you know iron out some of the 
some of the things that might still be new to me or sort of, you know, get still bring myself up to speed. Yeah. Um, and, and Ben, from like a, just a, a strategic point of view from, from building, from building at, like having to work out how up, how applications are built. We, we were talking a little bit before we started the podcast around, um, how from a high level scripto helps with some of these conceptual uh helps in how you can build the architecture of applications i'd love to sort of get a little bit more of an insight into how you think about that from a technology from a cto point of view sure uh, uh, so some of my history in blockchain also comes from a history on ethereum so uh i've i've sort of lived both sides of sort of the evm fairly uh, class-oriented, sort of object-oriented programming approach to smart contracts, as well as uh, a couple of different platforms, either uh, WASM-oriented, like we see on Solana, or uh, like Cardano, and their own approach to smart contracts. And I'd say, like with Cardano, you have this notion of role-based scripts, which makes it very easy to validate that a particular script is going to perform in a particular way because it only can be used in particular ways. Um, but what we like, this leads to a bit of a sort of difficulty just explaining things to people because there's uh, off chain code relating to a smart contract. And then there's all these sort of independent pieces. So there isn't really a unit of code that you point to and say like, that's the smart contract. <laughs> This as like a starting point. So it's it's difficult to name things and it's difficult to sort of grok uh, sort of this piecemeal system. And I'd, I'd say one approach that I really appreciate Scripto is that largely you do have that sort of unitary approach where you can sort of plug in different features to, to provide those roles. Um, moreover, gonna, I, I if think... You were gonna, if you were going to take that down... Sorry. If you were going to sure. simplify what you just said, yeah, to someone who's not a developer, <laughs> how would you how so, would you do that? I, I'd say it's the difference between specifying all the pieces of a robot and instead just saying like this robot needs to to achieve, uh, you know, certain outcomes. Right? It needs to be able to handle assets, so we should give it a vault. Right. Uh, as opposed to sort of building up all those individual pieces and assembling them amorphously. It gives you a bit more of a a framework to work in that can reduce mm. the sort of load. I guess cognitive load would be the developer term for it, but I guess to break that down, um, it it it's like the difference between having IKEA instructions that let you know sort of how things should go together and you can sort of you know, if you want, make something Frankenstein if you need to, mm. but you have good rails to stick to. Mm. The other part would be, uh, like, this would be as opposed to just, like, building furniture from a pile of individual pieces, right? You absolutely mm. can do it. It might take you more time. Mm. And mm. that's, I think that's really what we're talking about is the speed of development and the, even more so than the language design itself, just the the underpinning software has a very good quick route to get a feedback loop on what you're doing. These two pieces together just dramatically speed up development, uh, even over EVM solutions, I would say. 
Yeah. And, and 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 how about on the security side? Because obviously, um, classically, you often associate, or one often associates, the the speed at which you can stand something up to be inversely proportional to how secure it's going to end up being. Uh, I mean, I think we're still very uh, early days as far as crypto security research. Yep. But it at least feels like certain kinds of easy attack vectors may be much harder. Like You're sort of baking those into the intentions, right? So you mentioned this sort of intention-based design. If you're just stating your intentions and sort of scripto is figuring the rest out for you to some extent, then it's less likely that you'll forget an important check, I would say. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or at least if we find something that's not being checked, we can fix scripto and even necessarily without a code change, just a scripto version bump. Right. It's fixed for everybody, right? Right. So you're 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 abstracting away some of the things that you have to hand roll yourself on every on every transaction, but you're relying more on things like the in the inherent functionality of the programming language or indeed the Radix engine that sits underneath that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um really cool. So like if you were having, you know, recently got into uh, Radix relatively recently got into Radix and and Scripto. What recommendations would you would you give to other sort of aspiring uh, Scripto developers who have maybe not yet made the plunge, or um, or people who are building in other ecosystems and thinking about built like coming across to Radix? What are the main sort of like tips, tricks, and um, recommendations you have for that? Do you want to lead this one, Amir, yeah. or I will? Yeah, yeah go so ahead. I'll just mute it. Uh, yeah, so I would say it's probably, it's not, it's, um, I think it's very easy to uh, uh, to sort of procrastinate and sort of be, find find the fact that, oh, it's built in Rust and low-level systems language and it's it might be daunting, but that's, def- that's definitely not been the case for me. I think even if you don't have a very strong um, um, or, you know, much knowledge at all about Rust. Scripto is definitely something that you can pick up. It's quite uh, the the APIs are quite straightforward. They're named well, and the documentation is provided online are are definitely helpful to to bring yourself up to speed. I'd say the the Discord and the community are very very active and super responsive. I've found that extremely helpful. I'd say that's something that uh, any new Scripto blossoming Scripto developer should definitely uh, get on board with. And I would say, yeah, I would probably, uh, I'd probably say to to start as soon as possible to start playing around, looking at examples, uh, getting to examples working, you know, running things on the emulator and sort of getting a getting a feel for how things work and sort of how uh, not that it's not uh, this this sort of big beast and it can definitely be uh, uh, easily is something that can easily be picked up in my opinion. The hackathon uh, repos were really, really helpful. I will mm. say, like that. That's a, if you're looking for just examples of you know what it might look like to to have like a a toy AMM or a toy uh, version of you know a particular implementation. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I'd just say yeah. that some of those might be slightly outdated because of the new uh, new bump to the script yeah. that we turn, but they will still definitely be very helpful in terms of uh, just looking at examples. Yeah, out- outdated in terms of the version of the scripto, but uh, from the point of view of just being able to look at something and going, oh, approximately how would I implement this? Like, what what do I need to understand from how you architect something? What do I need to understand from, like, about approximately how the language works i think um yeah i I, i've heard that a lot for sure that the uh open source repos are helpful the the example hackathon repos where we i think we've got like over a hundred examples of implementations of amms of lending markets of DeFi, ever sorry of um uh derivatives of oracles all sorts of things for sure like one thing i'll say is um there's like a fairly um, Ubuntu specific layer of support, but that means there's one way to get there <laughs> and that everybody's on the same page. Uh, be prepared to install Ubuntu or a VM. But other than that, um, like the docs are really accurate overall compared to multiple other a- ecosystems that we've worked in. They're almost always pretty close to right up to date. And uh, like the affected portions when there is something that's out of date tends to be reasonably small. Um, this is something we really appreciate. Like it, to me, it's more about like your your typical uh, maybe full stack JavaScript developer who uh, is used to the sort of docs quality that they get on MDN and has maybe not had that experience in crypto because I don't think anybody can rival MDNs. Uh, completion completeness uh so to speak but uh we find sort of one of the most reliable docs experiences with radix that's great to hear like we we've, we've um we the, the our starting point was we want to have the best docs in crypto and then our next point is like we want to have parity to you know web 2 like web good web 2 standards we're not we know we're not yet at like good web 2 standards but we know that we're 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 head and shoulders above most um crypto docs uh and it's something and it's it, that makes me very proud to hear thank you for saying that because uh yeah it's it was one of these things that we were like it's not sexy and it's not gonna get you it's not something that like lots of people are gonna shout about but it is something that just makes a huge difference at quality of life experience when you're trying to build something real using the platform. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Awesome. Well, it's been great having you on the show. Thank you very much, Ben. Thank you very much, Amir. Um, and, you know, sort of very, very grateful to have you guys in the Radix ecosystem and, and, and building what you guys are and really looking forward to uh, more stuff coming out of MLabs and, and, and the clients that you are sort of bringing to the Radix ecosystem as well. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Chris. You better call on these guys. I'm going radical. 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 I'm going radical